Welcome to Virtual School Assembly. I'm your host, Tyler Christensen. I'm a productivity speaker, author, and classroom teacher. Here at Virtual School Assembly, I interview Hollywood celebrities, professional athletes, Olympians, speakers, and educators who share messages of inspiration, education, and hope to better prepare you for an ever-changing and uncertain world. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome back to Virtual School Assembly. Today, our guest is Josh Perry. Josh is a former professional BMX athlete. He's a motivational speaker, a certified holistic health coach, and a multiple brain tumor survivor. So he has been through a lot of ups and downs. Uh, We're excited today to hear his story of adversity and kind of what we can do with that in the midst of a pandemic and uh, equality movement and everything else that's happening right now around the world. So Josh, we're excited to have you here. Let me hand you this virtual microphone. Welcome to our stage. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, appreciate you guys all uh, taking the time to hear what I have to say today. It's a uh, great honor to be here, to be alive, and to be able to share my journey. And yeah, the, the times we're facing right now are times of adversity. You know, there's different ways we have to think, different ways we have to move and do the things we normally want to, or maybe those things aren't really apparent today. And so I've come to learn that when we have adversity in our lives, we can choose two, two paths with it. We can either choose to see you know, the world's out to get me, life's happening to me, or we can look at things, which is the harder way at the beginning, but we can look at things as, hey, this is happening for me. What can I learn from this? For what purpose am I experiencing this? And apologies, my puppy's going crazy on his toilet. <laughs> it's all good. But, you know, a, a moment that comes to the forefront for me when I experienced this firsthand was I was just turned 21 years old. I was living my dream as a professional BMX athlete more so than I ever imagined, Sorry, cheddar is going crazy. And I was the top of the world. I had got to levels that no one really expected me to, despite, you know, maybe some that were supporting me, including myself. And I had got to that level and some, and it was a, a new trick I was practicing one day in the off season. I was getting ready for the competition the next month, which was the same competition I won the year prior, my first pro win. I actually won a Harley Davidson as well on top of that for inventing a trick that I had done for the first time in competition. So I was really excited and this trick was going really well. I took it outside of the foam pit, which is a jump we have into a long wooden box of foam blocks that cheerleaders and gymnastics use. And we adopted it to safely learn tricks. And I went and I tried this trick on the ramp for the first time because I knew in a couple of weeks I had to do it on the real ramp so I could take it to the contest. You know, there's really not good odds if you're trying a trick for the first time at a contest. Um, so I wanted to do that. And ironically out of fear for over or under rotating the flip and the spin of the trick I overcompensated and I got ejected off my bike hit my head and got knocked out and now I had to get an MRI and so I'm driving to the doctor's office to get the report I'm thinking you know maybe one two more weeks off the bike maybe three weeks off the bike it could be worse and I'm sitting there by myself because I'm thinking hey this is just a you know a routine concussion follow-up and the doctor walks in and he says hey Josh how you doing and I, I remember, you know, just like, oh, man, kind of sore, but just anxious to figure out when I can get back on my bike. So, you know, how long? He goes, well, it's a little bit more serious than that. You had an abnormal skin. And I thought, like, what do you mean I had an abnormal skin? Did I move? I tend to, like, fall asleep in MRIs, weirdly enough. And so I know if you move, you kind of you, you have to maybe do a scan again. He said, no, there's no swelling. There's no bleeding. So there's no sign of traumatic brain injury. The images came back clear. But there's something in your brain that shouldn't be there. And at the moment, I just, I laughed out loud. I was like, what do you mean that there's something in my brain that shouldn't be there? I can't put anything in there. So what, what, are, you, what are you saying? 
never thought anything. And then he went on to say, well, this time we don't know if it's benign or cancerous. And right then and there, my heart and my stomach just dropped. And he went on to say, if you want a shot at living, you have to have surgery immediately. And there's still a chance you may not wake up. And you'll probably never ride your bike again, or at the least at the level you do today. And so in that moment, life just, it just stopped. It was like a movie where like a character gets bad news and that ringing noise in the ear sets in and like the camera slowly zooms out while everything's in slow motion. That's how I felt. Because to me, I just heard cancer, never going to ride your bike again, you may die. Instantly, I thought, you know, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? Am I really that bad of a person? And so I instantly just felt this, this victim mentality of like, you know, why me? Like, why does this have to happen to me? I'm living my dream. Like all those people that doubted me, they're going to be right. Like, what are people going to think of me? And all these things. And it was a course of a week and a half till surgery where I started to shift my mentality. And this is one of my favorite things to talk about is the vision we hold in our mind, the thoughts that we have, the, you know, the movie that we play in our minds every day. I started to shift my mental movie of death from being diagnosed with a brain tumor to what did I want to do with my life? I was already living a childhood dream and I wasn't ready to stop. So I just kept focusing on rather than what if I don't wake up? Let's, let's focus on what happens when I wake up. What am I going to do? How am I going to do things differently? How am I going to learn from this? And what really sparked that was a virtual mentor, which is a phrase that I, uh, I love. And um, it was Lance Armstrong. And I thought, you know, who can I relate to better than this guy? You know, when, it, when you're facing having your skull cut open to remove something that's taking over your life, you don't really think like, oh, yeah, this is something I can, you know, reach out to. But I remembered him and a cyclist. A little different because road cycling, they're meant to, uh, the objective is to keep the wheels on the ground. Us, we go in the air. But I was like, man, I can relate to him. And so for me, seeing that someone overcame something I was facing in that moment and was successful and got back to doing what they love on that level, it showed me the possibility. And that's when I started to realize, you know, when things happen to us, we can choose the perspective we have. You know, I'm going to, you know, be shy. I'm going to let this cripple me. Or I'm going to use this, I'm going to get stronger. Kind of like going to the gym. You go to the gym first time, you know, you get sore when you're done. If you give up, you're never going to get stronger. But if you go back again, you rest, you go back again, you're going to get stronger, it's going to become easier, you're going to learn. And so that's, that's what I did and that's what I applied to my life. And now with, you know, running my own business today, I apply the same principles and it's just what allows me to keep overcoming adversities, whether it be stress, it be health, it be injuries, it be financial the pandemic, you know, it allows me to see what I can improve on. It kind of challenges me, you know, how can I better the situation? Because I'm not, I, I've never been the one to settle for the circumstances that aren't aligned with my desire. And so by holding that vision that I'm working towards, it allows me to overcome, you know, the mental and the physical stressors that come about. And it allows me to learn along the way. And it led me here to being able to share with you guys. So um, that's just something I really love talking about is, you know, the, the vision we hold in our mind, it's going to influence how we feel and that's going to influence or dictate how we choose to move through life, which is going to create the reality we live in. If we're not happy with it. Go back to the drawing board, start over. So Josh, if I can dig into your story a little bit, can we go back? So back in time to when you, you got that initial diagnosis and you're told you, you might never bike again. Did that come to fruition? Were you able to do any more biking after that point? I was back on my bike in five weeks. <laughs> really? Oh my I goodness. thought best case scenario, maybe a year that mm -hmm. I, at that level and didn't know the skull only takes four weeks to fuse back together. So wow. 
four week mark of the MRI told me, you know, let's take another week just to, you know, rest and see how things go. I didn't get back, you know, doing backflips or anything at five weeks, right. but I got back on my bike, started rolling around the ramps. And then two months after that, I was actually back in my first competition back. Wow. That's incredible. So <laughs> sometimes, I mean, when we're talking about adversity, I mean, sometimes we get things that alter our lives forever and mean we're never going back. You of course were able to, to do that at least at some level and be competitive again, but it certainly altered your life forever. I mean, now you're going on stages all over the country, sharing your message with kids. As you were growing up as a professional athlete, did you think that would be part of your life down the road that you'd be a speaker and go around or, or was this kind of a new development for you? Not at all. I, I didn't think much past BMX and mm -hmm. I, I was always told have a backup plan but I went to a technical high school, like a trade high school, and that, you know, where I'm from, trade's really big, and friends of the family had landscaping companies, electrical companies, I was really into that, and I was going to this trade school and working in the co-op program, so I could go to work for two weeks, go back to school for two weeks, on and off for the rest of my high school, and I always had this, this mentality that if riding doesn't work out, or when I want to stop, or when I have to stop, however it works, I can always go back to school, I can always start a business, I can always go to work. I could always do that, but I, you know, at the time I was 17 and I was already competing professionally and I was like, I have to take this chance. And that's just, that's where it started was, you know, knowing that I had this opportunity and I didn't want to miss it. And then, you know, am I going to be a speaker one day? No, never thought that. Am I going to be passionate about nutrition or education? No, never thought about that. But the, one of the main things I love sharing beyond vision is being proactive I was forced into a situation to react. I had to learn how to preserve my life. I had to learn how to optimize my health and my performance. Mm -hmm. And along that way, you know, I, I talk about um, your purpose is uncovered through the journey, through the process, through my process of preserving my life and living my dream. I discovered my passions and my purpose outside of my bike that was higher than just myself, which takes time. But uh, no, I never, I never saw any of that. My dad thinks I'm crazy because I definitely didn't get it from him, he says. And, uh, but you know, it's a part of my, my purpose today. It's aligned with my mission to support other people. And so that's part of the thing when you're so focused on your vision and your purpose, the fears that come in at the end of the day, you push through, you, you I'm not going to lie. I still get nervous, of course, right? but I still do what I want to do because of that purpose. That's, that's there in my mind. Now, we've had a, a ton of professional athletes on the show, and we've had a lot of celebrities. We've had people who have pursued their dreams at a really young age. Now, I actually have a lot of conflict in, in having these kind of interviews because as a school teacher, I'm worried about my students who have stars in their eyes that are, are going to be famous, that are going to be celebrities, and won't learn how to work, won't learn how to be resilient and overcome obstacles. You were forced into some of your challenges, but obviously in becoming a professional athlete, you had to develop a lot of skills that would serve you well later on in life. Can you talk about some of those things that you did prior to being a professional um, biker? What were some of the skills that you developed along the way that both enabled you to have success in athletics, but now are enabling you to have success now that you've transitioned into something else? Yeah, I would say it would just be, you know, the work ethic, like the drive, the consistency and the discipline, uh, because I had this vision in my mind to accomplish something that not many people get to do. I was very adamant about my schoolwork. I was very adamant about work and I was very adamant about staying away from things that get me in trouble that could prevent me from riding my bike. 
the lens I chose to see the world through was BMX. So everything I looked at, I unconsciously made a decision of, is this going to be good for that, that goal? Or is this going to hurt that goal? And I mean, whatever it was that wasn't in my mind going to help, I didn't do it. But I really think it was because I chose to go to that trade school. I was juggling school and work come uh, halfway through sophomore year. It was, it was work, it was school, and it was BMX. And then it was just school, it was BMX. And then it was just work, it was BMX as well. And, you know, I showed my parents that, that dedication and that trust and that, that drive. And so they supported me in my decision. Because I was 17 when I left home. And I went from Massachusetts to North Carolina where I live today. And that was in pursuit of that dream. And along the way, I got really passionate about education, but I was forced into doing that. So, you know, when kids come to me and they're like, hey, man, I'm seeing success in this area. You know, I have this opportunity. I think I'm just going to drop out of school, things like that. You know, it's like, I like, for me, I believe that like education is so important, but like just do what you, a bare minimum, what you have to do, finish high school. Because I didn't. And that created a lot of struggles for me later on. But thankfully, I had the brain tumor wake up call that led me to pursuing, you know, my education further, where now I have certifications in human health and nutrition that most of the population doesn't even understand what I'm talking about. But that, that, that came along the way. Um, but I think my route was a little different with different tools I was learning because I was working as a 15 year old, you know, I was making anywhere up to 30, 40 bucks an hour in certain jobs we were doing, but I was also disciplined in school. I was also competing as a professional athlete. So I applied all those things. And I went back, got my education, all that stuff. But yeah, so that's like some of the advice I love to give is just finish, finish high school at least. Take right. some time, explore, do what you want. But uh, it's, it's much easier that way. And, you know, being 31 now, when I left school, I was 16, 17. The time, you know, it's like you think like, oh, no, I need to do this now. And it's like you have so much time. Just, just get your schoolwork done and then pursue your passions after that. So I, I want to pull apart uh, the word education for just a minute. As a school teacher, of course, like you do, I want kids to finish high school. I'd love if most of them go on to college or whatever is right for them, whether it's a vocational or technical school or college. Um, but when we talk about education, we're talking about just the process of learning and being educated. And you don't necessarily need school, like formal school, to do that. Uh, I get the sense, just because I know a little bit about you, Josh, that you're a lifelong learner. And even had you not gone to school at all, you still really value education. You, you value learning new skills, being the best at what you're doing at this time. And that's why you have these certifications. That's why you've established expertise in not just one area, but in several areas. So what are the, some of the things that you've done in your life to, to become a lifelong learner, to keep this, ed, this value of learning and education at the forefront of your life? I think it's just always wanting to better myself, always wanting to optimize everything I do. And I believe it comes from experience, you know, so there are certain routes you have to take if your goal is to do X, Y, or Z that requires that. You want to be a surgeon, you have to go to college and med school, you have to get licenses and degrees, you know, but for what I want to do, if I wanted to, you know, my dream before BMX, not really my dream, but like my goal was to have my own landscaping business. So what did I do? I went to a trade school. I got the education there. I got the experience on the job. And for what I did was a lot of hands-on work and education there. So I love that you said, you know, education isn't just the, the traditional school route and like reading books and things like that. It's, it's having conversations. It's learning about yourself. It's having experiences. It's taking risks. It's 
it's all these things combined into one. And I think we're starting to see the conversation shift out of, you know, you go to high school, you go to college. Oh, you don't know what you want to do. You still go to college. And then, you know, but it's like, no, like, let me, let's, let's get some experience, see what you're interested in. Cause if I got thrown into college when I was, you know, meant to right after high school, I, I probably wouldn't, I probably would have wasted time and money, but because I had experience and I learned along the way, I mean, that my story is that saved my life, chasing my dream, saved my life, but it gave me a, a purpose that required me to learn by reading books, by taking courses, by, you know, going and having these experiences, working with other people and having conversations like these. And I think that's what, that's what encompasses education. It's, it's not just one or you know one thing or another it's it's a combination including experience because no matter who is teaching any kind of theory when it came to getting my knee surgery i had all sorts of people telling me you should do this the books say that what i did was i talked to surgeons and i talked to athletes that had that procedure Mm -hmm. and i get i got an idea of what they did and what the outcomes were and the person trying to give me all the advice based on their education in the book was wrong to the surgeon and the, and the athletes. And I went with their version and I've been successful with that. So that's where I believe that experience in terms of um, education comes into hand a lot. Yeah, I, I think that's crazy. I've actually had a similar experience with my own health and some uh, sports injuries that I've had. And isn't it amazing that we kind of put doctors up on this pedestal that they went to school the longest, they got all this education, but they're wrong all the time. Uh, and, and so you they're have to human beings like us, Yeah, <laughs> they just happen to know some things <laughs> and they're really good at what they do and they had to train and they had to do things for a long time. But that's the amazing thing about living in our world today where we have access to so many resources, including human capital, where we can reach out to people who have had the experiences that we're seeking to have. We can have conversations like this. And, and I'm actually really excited to dive into this next section. I don't know a lot about the professional world of BMX riding. And so I want to hear a little bit about it from you. So for our audience who's less familiar with just that whole world, tell us a little bit about what you competed in. What was your event or, or events? Uh, and what was kind of the highlight for you of being a professional athlete? Yeah, so I'd start with that. The highlight, I think, was traveling the world and making friends around the world. You know, going to places I learned in history class, mm-hmm. then getting to experience them. Like, because of BMX, I've, I've been able to go perform for our troops in Iraq and Saudi Arabia and Oman and, you know, all these other, like India, like, for example. And I never thought I'd ever see those parts of the world. And I got paid to go do what I love there and share that with other people. So I think one of, the, one of my favorite things about the world of BMX is competitions are globally. You know, like NBA is just in America. And then you have, you know, professionals, you know, basketball and other, but like BMX, it's, there's professional contests everywhere and it's all part of the same series. So you make friends and you, you know, that, that's been my favorite part. Uh, for people that aren't familiar with what the discipline of BMX that I competed in, it's called freestyle. So you have BMX racing. That's a whole different world. BMX freestyle, you have like the vert ramps, the, the dirt jumps, you have the street riding, the park riding, the, the you know, X games. So that's what I competed in was what we call the park uh, discipline. So it's like you got the, the quarter pipes, the jumps and the, the, all the different things. And um, really, you're trying to see, you know, who can go and flip and spin and tail whip and bar spin and get to this side of the course the quickest and smoothest. And it's basically like a floor routine from gymnastics. You have 60 seconds. You do whatever you can. You create a routine. And basically, it comes down to who does the best tricks, who goes the highest and who doesn't fall. Because uh, the level of competition today is getting, it's, get, it's got to like video game level. It's insane. 
Um, but that was, that was what I competed in primarily. I did a few dirt jumping contests uh, out in France, and I think that was it, actually. But I, I always enjoyed riding the dirt jumps, like, through the woods, and just it's a cool feeling. But, uh, yeah, my, one of my favorite parts, you know, beyond just the tricks and the freedom of creativity there was just the friends around the world that I meet from seeing the places that I, uh, I learned about in school and um, something I didn't learn about that I got to learn there. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, as we wrap up here, we are talking to kids all around the world. And we're in a unique time in human history where there's a lot going on right now, a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. So as someone who has experienced a lot of adversity in your life and have had to pivot and change and, and adjust your long-term plans, what advice would you give to the kids out there who are watching this that are looking at this uncertain future and really don't know what to expect down the road? I'd say just, just out of your perspective, you know, things could always be worse, but you're watching this, you're alive. You have a chance to change how your tomorrow looks, how to change your immediate. It starts with your thoughts though. And, um, you know, really, really auditing, you know, what you're thinking about and how, like what angle you're coming from this is, you know, oh, you know, for me, it's like, oh, the gyms are closed. I could be upset about that. Or it's like, you know, how can I pivot? How can I work out at home? You know, at, at least I have my health. At least I'm able to do things. You know, um, I'm not sick right now. And that's, that's something to be grateful for. And I learned that when I was diagnosed, like it started with fear and victim. And then it shifted to gratitude to still be alive. Because not everyone wakes up. Not everyone has a chance to do the things that we are doing right now. Not, a, not everyone has that luxury. So I think it's just, just a matter of perspective and how you're framing things. Like something as simple as like, I have to go to school or I have to go to work or I have to, get, like, you don't have to, you're choosing to and you get to. So something as simple and silly as that has really been able to shift my, you know, how I feel and how I move through life. But it starts with your perspective, like your mindset's everything. So I just think when we're facing a global challenge like this, it's like, you know, like, what do you have to be thankful for? Because we're, we're kind of conditioned in society today to be, you know, comparing ourselves and to be, you know, feeling lack of things and, you know, all these things. But it's like, you have so much right in front of you that you're over, you're overlooking, but we're hardwired to do that. So I just think that that's one of the most important things is just your perspective on situations and your reality and where you want to go, that vision, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? How do you want to feel? How do you want to think? Things like that. Yeah, that's a really good perspective. And interestingly, it, we've had a lot of speakers who have traveled a lot, who have sem similar sentiments that we forget how much we have here and what we can be grateful for. And sometimes it's good to get outside of our state or outside of our city. Bottles of water and you'll have a very different perspective of where you come from when you get home. Yep. Yep. So awesome perspective. Josh, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Uh, it's been great to hear your story, to learn a little bit more about BMX. Uh, and of course, for the advice that you've given kids. Uh, if, if the kids watching this want to follow you more closely or if they want to connect with you on social or something like that, where's the best place for them to find you online? Um, so all my social media handles are just at Josh Perry BMX. The website's just joshperrybmx.com. Um, if you send me a Instagram message, that's where I'm most active with communicating with people. But um, you can send me a message through my website too if you want to, you know, get on a call, chat, ask questions, share things. I'm always down to connect with people. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm um, all, any social media platform, just Josh Perry BMX. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Virtual School Assembly. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to Virtual Assemblies. 
and leave us a rating and review so we know what you learned and took away from this virtual assembly. Videos and show notes are found at virtualschoolassembly.com. And if you're a school leader and you're looking for a speaker for virtual or traditional in-school assemblies, or if you're looking for some teacher training, I'd love to connect with you to see how I can help. You can check out my website at tylerchristiansen.com. Thanks. You are super duper. Let's go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye.